Matt, I'm really, really pleased <laughs> that you are here tonight. And it's been just over a year now, I think, since the first time we did I was, a podcast. I, I looked it up today. Uh, it's the 12th of June today. And we did our the first one I came to do with you was the 15th of June. So we're three days short, I think. I, no, do you know what? You published it on the 15th of June. So maybe we did it. We probably did. Maybe we did it on the 12th. Or very close yeah. to it. What's in your shed? What's in your shed? Pictures and treasures and the books of me read. What's in your shed? What's in your shed? That's such a lovely thing yeah, to think. Right, yeah. I'm going to turn this on fountain off. I always plan to do it and then forget. <laughs> Sometimes you can hear it in the yeah. background, which is fine. Yeah, so um, the first one we did together was the superhero comic yeah. books, and it was really exciting because it was something I didn't know anything about, right. and you taught yeah. me so much. And after that, we did another four, I think, three or four. Yeah. So. You, yeah, you asked me. If, it must have been maybe a maybe a month later, when we were at the park. You said, "Oh, do you want to do another one?" And I was just like, "What? What? What, <laughs> I, what am I gonna? What am I gonna do?" Like, I had no idea, so I couldn't even say yes to begin with. But then, yeah, I decided to do Dungeons and Dragons, which I'd finally, finally got into into playing regularly and felt like I knew enough about. To, and you did a lot of about. preparation for that. It did I, uh, yeah, ah, uh, I spent the whole week thinking about it and just uh just going through what what I wanted to to tell you about and sort of cutting bits out and saying, oh, and thinking, oh, I can't go and talk about that for half an hour, that's you know <laughs> we've only got forty five minutes, yeah, so I did yeah, I did think about that a lot. I think about every episode a few days before, maybe a week even, so it occupies much of my thought. Yeah. And this one especially, because it's such an important album in my life. Yeah. And when you said you wanted to do Nirvana Nevermind, yeah. I was so happy, oh, but at the same time, <laughs> a little bit frightened yeah because I thought how am I going to or how are we going to talk about such an important album uh, probably okay. one of the greatest albums yeah. of all I'm time I'm glad you feel I like think. that because that's how I've been feeling as well and I've been a bit nervous and I said to Joe today I feel a little bit nervous she said oh you'll be okay she's really supportive yeah. and and lovely with this whole podcast thing and she can see that it makes me so happy yeah. and it's just such a wonderful thing to do and I'm so pleased that we've been able to connect yeah. through this and have a, f a few really good nights together. And we had a pre-gig, I'll call it. Yeah, yeah a warm-up, wasn't a, it? Yeah. A warm-up where you came along with Nick and we had a lovely evening in the shed together and we wanted to talk about Nirvana. I was trying desperately not to talk about it because <laughs> I, uh, I didn't want to give up all my material. And we gave up quite a lot. Yeah, we did, yeah. I think we ended up talking about it for about an hour. We could have just recorded that, couldn't we? But how can you stop yourself yeah. when it's... 
just such a brilliant story the whole nirvana story and yeah. the short space of time it yeah. was and the albums they released it's fascinating i spoke to my mom today on the phone on facetime and she asked what i was up to today and i said i'm i'm doing a podcast this evening and she gets really excited oh, yeah. because <laughs> she listens regularly and i said this won't be the one that's released next week it's, i'm a week ahead right but I'm feeling, I'm feeling very nervous and quite strange about yeah. this one. And she said, "Why?" And I said, "Because it's, it's just such a special album." I yeah. didn't tell her which one it right. was. And <laughs> uh, she said, "Oh, you'll be fine. You'll be fine." And I know, I know, it always works out. Yeah. But I do look back at some of the episodes, and I think, I don't know if I can do that again. I don't know if I can get to yeah. that level. <laughs> it's not just up to me because it's my guest as well and that helped me to feel better today when I thought well I'm sure Matt's got a lot to say and I can uh, sit yeah. back and yeah. listen to him well do you know what I, I was feeling exactly the same I was like it's okay you don't have to carry the whole thing <laughs> Warren's going to be there as well <laughs> we'll help each other yeah. do this because it, it is it's a very emotional topic because it was in such a formative part of my life yeah, yeah and I'm we're saying. similar ages yeah and Kurt Cobain would have been 54 yeah, this year. Yes, that sounds right. He was born in 1976, a year before me. Right. No, that's Might, wrong. Six, six, 1967. 67, that's right. Yeah. 10 years before me. That's right, yeah, 11 years before me. So he's 10 years older, and then I worked out he'd be 54 right now, which is yeah. still very young. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'm, I feel sad. I feel sad about it because I'd love to see what he would have created, and he would have. Yeah. I think he's a genius. Yeah. I don't know the definition of a genius, but he's got such a creative power within him plus the combination of Chris Novoselic and Dave Grohl yeah. and prior to Dave Grohl there were a number of other drummers yeah. but as a group with him they created such magic they did yeah but Matt tell me about Nirvana <laughs> Nevermind when, when did you first hear it when did you buy your first Nirvana Nevermind cassette or CD or whatever it was I had to sort of I had to sift through my memories to try and uh, to try and put it all in order because yeah because it was quite it was quite a, a long time ago um, so I guess it would have been oh, I guess it would have been 1992 probably I was probably 14 and at the time um, the only place where I would hear new music um, you know, my, from, from my sheltered childhood the only place where I would hear new music would be um, the Top 40 uh, on the radio and Top of the Pops TV show um, and so I would you know I, I would hear music on there and so just before I heard it my cousin came to me with a tape and he said he said oh you should listen to this this is really good and he gave me a copy of Pearl Jam 10 and I didn't listen to it <laughs> because <laughs> I thought I was like oh, I've never heard of these guys like I, I you know I haven't seen these these guys on top of the pops how good can they be and I just kind of put it on my desk in uh, in my bedroom and it sat there for 
maybe a week or two weeks. Uh, it's um, I've kind of lost track of the 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 amount of time it was. But then one evening I was watching Top of the Pops, and uh, and this video came on, and it was uh, it was a black and white music video, and it was set um, on like an American TV variety show chat show type of thing with a live audience and this guy comes out uh, in front of this curtain and says um, what was it, it was it, it was stuck in my mind for so long it was, uh, oh, up next we've got three nice young lads from uh, Seattle I really can't say a nice, enough nice things about them here they are with their hit single In Bloom, it's Nirvana and uh, and my ears pricked up immediately as soon as this song started because I'd, I'd been listening to just kind of pop music uh, and I, I quite enjoyed sort of classic rock type type stuff uh, and this was just completely different and I was I remember just being like I'd stopped whatever I was doing and I just was so focused on it and it was these uh, these three guys uh, wearing suits with uh, their big thick rim glasses and their long hair in neat side partings um, and I was just like this is incredible the sound this sounds so different from anything that I've ever heard and this guy's voice is is incredible and and I, like that was that was the first time where I'd like heard something that I really I really like felt a connection to it and I and I went into school the next day, and and I started asking around to see if anyone else had had heard this song, and no one seemed. I I guess no one had watched it. Uh, no one seemed to know what I was talking about. And I I remember saying, I had taken the video really literally, and I was saying this. Yeah, these um, these three old guys, <laughs> like not knowing <laughs> that they were like ten years old. Oh, you know, like twenty four at the time. They had these three old guys in suits it's this black and white video I don't know when it's from thinking that maybe this was actually quite old like how would I never heard it before and then no one knew what it was and then I think at the end of school I was walking home and talking to someone who I in my in, the, in my year group who I didn't see very much I said Gee, you know I think they're called Nirvana and he said oh yeah my, my brother my older brother's got that album and uh, I was like oh can I borrow it and uh, and he said he said uh, yeah okay what what do you want to swap it for and um, like I didn't have anything all I all I had was um, was tapes that I recorded off the top forty countdown on a Sunday and I was like he's not going to want any of that and then and then I said I've got um, I've got Pearl Jam and he was like oh yeah yeah definitely <laughs> and I thought oh. Maybe I should have, maybe I should have listened to that. But anyway, we we did a swap. You swapped, so I swapped. and you hadn't listened to. I hadn't listened to it. Okay. I, so a, a, a taped copy that my cousin my cousin borrowed the CD from the library, recorded it, gave me the tape. I swapped it for for Nevermind on cassette, the the proper version. I took it home and and I listened to it, and yeah, just kind of blew my mind. It was br- it was brilliant. Uh, it was. I felt like it did feel like a real connection, and I felt like I had discovered something really important. Um, yeah, so my first, my first um, Nirvana tape was one that I had just recorded of someone else, and so I swapped. I gave him his copy back, 
and I got Pearl Jam back and then I made sure to listen to that really quickly afterwards those two albums were released I think in the same year they were a month apart yeah I think it was 91 I think 10 came out in August and Nevermind came out in mm. September and so yeah they came one, you know, one right on the heels of the other it's interesting because whenever you talk about Pearl Jam Nirvana come into it whenever yeah. you talk about Nirvana Pearl Jam come into it yeah and it reminds me of that whole Oasis Blur thing. Yeah, yeah. And that's what the media creates. I don't yeah. think the bands had any issue with it. Right. I know Kurt Cobain had some issues with Eddie and Courtney Love said some stuff about yeah. Eddie. And yeah, I think it did make up. I think, I think that there were sort of no hard feelings. Yeah, and I end. think ultimately they respected each other and they yeah. loved what they did. And yeah. Eddie's always said nice things about Kurt afterwards. The type of music you listened to before Nirvana, you said classic rock. Yeah. What what was that? Oh god, I can't even really remember. I I, I feel like I had some kind of mixtape that I got from somewhere or I I the first music that I listened to was what was just in my mum and dad's record collection so I listened to Queen a lot um they just had a greatest hits album on CD which I really really loved um a bit of Beach Boys ELO Electric Light Orchestra my dad had this uh this double like fold out uh, electric blue vinyl um, album which I absolutely loved and I, I would listen to that quite a lot but then oh god I don't know you know things like Don't Fear the Reaper and um, and things that sort of uh, that sort of genre like that really appealed to me um, I really you know I did you know rock rock was my genre rock rock was something I really liked Guns and Roses yeah um, but yeah so but yeah Nirvana was just a, a completely different take on it completely new sound uh, the you know the the, mu the sound of the music itself and the sound of Kurt's voice was so was so different and yeah you know Guns N' Roses it, it kind of once I'd started to listen to Nirvana and then to Pearl Jam it, this kind of world started to, to open up and I suddenly discovered all all this other music that was out mm. there so yeah you know Guns N' Roses and Aerosmith and um, Alice in Chains and Green Day and things like that. Um, oh, and um, Rage Against the Machine. That was that came out in like '92 as well. So around about the same time. Yeah. I um, you know I first heard that and yeah I felt like like I felt okay I felt like an identity almost. I, I was I listened to your podcast with with Marlon um, talking about. Um, Everclear, and he was he was saying about you know boys aged thirteen to fourteen um, trying to uh, trying to discover who they're going to be and trying to figure out who they are, mm. you know, an identity for themselves. And and I and as soon as he said that, I was I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, I was fourteen and I was looking for like who am I? Where you know what direction am I going in? What what sort of you know what what's going to influence me 
and music and art helps you to make sense of the world yeah. either when you're creating it you're trying to figure out how you see things mm. and that goes into your creation and to have a band like Nirvana create that and you can yeah. identify with it and it helps you to understand yeah where you are where you're going and also excites you I remember listening it listening to it for the first time how excited I was yeah I actually listened to Pearl Jam 10 before mm. Nirvana Nevermind and I noticed something different when I compared it to the music I was listening to like Guns N' Roses Motley Crue, ACDC, Sisters of Mercy yeah. and it was all very clean yeah. heavy yeah, rock, yeah. Metallica mm. Nirvana on the other hand had this recklessness about them, yeah. they felt punkish yeah. and I missed the whole punk thing I think that was the 70s yeah. I think and the 90s started exploring that again yeah, there was a lot of technical you know, technical and sort of more clean sounds in that in that sort of rock before, and um, they, yeah, they were a bit more. Not, I don't want to say casual about it. They were. It was. It was less about. It was less about perfect guitar solos and more about the the moment, wasn't it? I yeah, think. and and being yourself. Although a lot of it is orchestrated, you know, when a band goes up on stage, even for Kurt, mm. where you think he didn't care. Yeah. But according to Charles R. Cross, for example, he wrote Heavier Than Heaven, right. a really good book about Nirvana, mostly about Kurt Cobain. He said that Kurt appeared to not give a damn, but yeah. he did care. And he would think carefully about how right. he portrayed himself on stage. And I found that very interesting to, to read because the way they come across is they are so disorganized and it's yeah. a mashup but what I liked about the sound and I've only recently figured it out is the driving bass sound of Chris Novoselic yeah it's really heavy. really important isn't it yeah there's a lot there's, it, it, there's a lot where it's it's very prominent and, and really important I think and then you along with that you get the pounding drums and the rhythm seems slightly off yeah but then the melody of the guitars is so beautiful. Yeah. I, I was so taken by Pearl Jam and then to move from that to Nirvana and realize Nirvana for me was the dirty cousin. Yeah, they were yeah. a little bit more yeah. outrageous. Pearl Jam were a lot more clean. Yeah. Um, there wasn't all those drug issues. I'm sure they've right. had their, their moments, yeah. but it wasn't quite like... Nirvana, where they felt a little bit self-destructive. Yeah, absolutely. But there's yeah. an appeal to that because yeah. you want to you want to hear more. It's like watching a car crash. Yeah, that recklessness. Yeah. yeah. I bought the CD, which I've got here. Uh, yeah. I look in my and on the CD cover. Which is again another amazing yeah. CD cover. We'll we'll get onto that in a minute. I've got a little white dot there, and that dot on the cover is Tipex. <laughs> I had, you know, when you got Tipex in a little pot with a brush. Yeah, yeah. And you would need to put Tipex thinners in to oh, yeah, yeah. to like 
because otherwise the tippex would get kind of hard yeah and then the thinners would as the <laughs> as the name suggests it would thin the the mixture and i put a dot on all of my cds that ah. i had and i've still got a few of them i had this wonderful box with separate little slots mm. for each cd and i would take that box to house parties oh why <laughs> and people would then know that that's that my cd I didn't really mark the disc, which I should have done because the number of discs went missing and they would get all scratched and whatever. But I would take this to a guy called Alexandru. Yeah. And he was from Romania. And his parents sent him over to South Africa with his sister to go to school. And it was so weird because he was 17 and he was living with his sister, who yeah. was, a, I think she was 20, which helped. They were living in a rented house in the neighborhood I lived yeah. in with a tennis court and a swimming pool wow. and they wanted him to get his matric which is your final year like A-levels yeah. and they wanted him to continue his tennis which was ATP tour he was getting points and wow. all sorts of things but his house was the party house yeah. and we'd go there on weekends and I'd bring my box with all my CDs and this CD would always be out yeah everyone went crazy for it we'd put it in and he had a big hi-fi system detached house no problem with the neighbors yeah and we'd crank it up we'd do all that moshing where you yeah. kind of like in a muddle and this wasn't even a live gig this was in his lounge yeah. Then we'd go and jump in the swimming pool get completely wet and do that whole grunge thing we all had long hair and yeah. we'd kind of like sweaty wet from the <laughs> pool jumping around and the album could go on from start to finish they, there's no yeah noticeable b-side they're no. all exceptionally great songs yeah yeah just that feeling of freedom <laughs> yeah your uh your youth was so much wilder than, oh. <laughs> than mine we would um uh i grew up in a in a, in a quiet cul-de-sac and we would uh, just we would all go over to my friend Al's house. His you know, his parents were were very generous with their with their space, and they were you know they had a house full of neighbourhood kids all the time. But we would yeah we would be over there, like ten of us. He had yeah he had a double bed in his room that filled almost the entire room. You just you had to kind of like squeeze around the sides to get on there, and there'd be like ten kids, uh, all sat on this bed playing Sega Master System. And listening to you know Nirvana and Pearl Jam and 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 things like that. I was really interested in finding out that you are a Nirvana fan and you love these American grunge bands yeah. like Soundgarden, Alice yeah. in Chains, because when I came to England, I couldn't find many British people who were into it at the same level right. that I was. I arrived in the UK in 1997. So it was still grunge. Yeah, I know yeah, yeah, Nirvana yeah. finished in 94. And that was still happening. It was still quite fresh. But I couldn't find someone who connected with me right. on it. And I met a guy called Sam when I was working in a cafe on the high street in Oxford. And he was Australian. Yeah. So we, we connected because it seemed like Australians got the same kind of stuff. Yeah. And I understand perhaps now why there weren't as many British people 
into it. Well, I wasn't here in 91, 92, 93, yeah. so that made a difference. But also because the British music that came out was so brilliant. You know, there's yeah. so much good British music, which I absolutely love. Bands like OMD, Depeche Mode, right. Pet Shop Boys, oh, the list goes on, yeah. Dire Straits. And I've I've spoken about these in a previous podcast, so I can understand why maybe well, that's my theory anyway. My, why maybe I couldn't find someone who loved it as much. Yeah. But then when you said you wanted to do Nirvana and Evermind, I thought, well, we've never we've never really got no, into one no. that much, and it's so so good. I'm very pleased oh, we can really do this together. Yeah. I think a lot of people my age as well were were more into sort of dance music as well especially getting nearer to getting nearer to 16 i suppose when some of them when they started to look old enough were were trying to get into nightclubs they would um you know that that was a, a, a lot more people were into into music like that but you know i was i was reading comics and listening to nirvana and <laughs> and pearl jam and just baffled about why everyone else wasn't <laughs> not that not that I was the only person listed you know my cousin loved it my brother Rob uh, loved it and uh, you know other people did appreciate it but it was not it wasn't like there were not very very many people who who you know it was their top genre mm. I think yeah I had a Nirvana buddy. I'll call him a grunge buddy. Yeah. Andrew is his name, and we would go to a pizza restaurant in Northcliffe, which is a suburb of Johannesburg, and it was called Giuseppe's. And we discovered the bar area was never used. People would go into the restaurant, mm. have pizza, and yeah. drinks would come from the bar, but people wouldn't be in there. And we discovered this bar that also had monkey nuts peanut uh, yeah could, in the shell in the yeah, shell and you nice. could open them up and the shells would end up all over the floor this wooden floor and you yeah. could walk across there and it was great the best part is they had a jukebox in there oh, yeah so we'd go in and we would choose all the grunge stuff and when we left we'd put in we'd select one of us would do it track 12 something in the way ah uh, is that because of the secret <laughs> track at the end it's about 15 minutes yeah, yeah. Got 10 minutes of silence in the middle yeah so we thought that would be quite a cool thing to do yeah. because if anyone else did come in which probably wouldn't because it was yeah. really quiet <laughs> then they'd be sitting there or they'd make their selection on the jukebox and they'd be sitting like where's our song, yeah. where's our song? <laughs> because there's that hidden track and when the hidden track comes on it's heavy it's yeah brrr. yeah and i just thought to myself at the time this is so cool yeah like a hidden, track. hidden tracks yeah <laughs> how much fun is that because we don't care we can wait 10 minutes before yeah. the end and put this thing on it did uh, i i think when i was 16 i got um i got a like a, a stereo for my room and it had a three cd multi-changer and oh. and it did mess with the, it did mess with that you put you put your three discs in and put them on random and then when that came along you'd have to go and and change it skip it onto the next track because otherwise you would just be sitting there waiting 
for it to, uh, to go on, <laughs> on to the next song. But if you do wait, it's a bit of a reward. Yeah. It's quite nice to hear that hidden track. I've brought my bass guitar into the oh, shed tonight, and I'm going to play the bass line to one of the songs. I haven't tuned the guitar, I usually tune it before I practice, but yeah. I ran out of time. I think it should be fine. Joe said to me once, do you have to tune it every time? And I thought, maybe I don't, but I get yeah, a I bit don't. perfectionist yeah. and I want it, want yeah. it right. Just going to grab a beer. Yeah. I think, I don't know if, if I can guess, but I, I had guitar lessons for a couple of years when I was uh, a teenager. And there was one. Do you want a beer? Oh yes, please. Whatever you got. Australia. Uh, that would be lovely. And there was one Nirvana track that um, that I was able to figure out and uh, and play because it only had about six had about six notes in it, and they were all. I had to move my hand. Oh, I'm trying to figure out which plug to turn on for the amp. Got it. <laughs> and that's the thing about their songs, they really are simple. Yeah, yeah. And I think that makes them accessible. I think lots of people can can get into it because you can pick up the chords yeah. and everything. Okay, I'll turn it up. Let's hope I get it right because every <laughs> night when I play, when I practice, I've got the security blanket of my songbook with the tabs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a lovely stand now because Joe asked Rog if he knew of a good music stand. Yeah. And he suggested this this type. I don't even know what the brand is. Because I used to have to put the book, <coughs> perch it up on the edge of the right. sofa or somewhere. But now I can put it up at eye level. Right. Uh, yeah. I'm using I'm, much better than this, Matt. Uh, uh, <laughs> I know. Uh, on this one. That was okay. I, yeah. I I I that was what I played. Yeah. I, I, Is it come yeah, as, come you, as are? you are? Yeah. I, yeah, I learned. I learned to play only that bit. I was not. I did not uh, do my homework when it uh, when it came to guitar lessons. But it's yeah. a shame because we could have played. Yeah, yeah. Have you got a? Uh... Oh, I don't. It's inside. <laughs> I've got an acoustic guitar inside. Oh, there you I... go. We'll get it out later. Yeah, that's I can a good probably, idea. Uh, I, I can. I can remember. I can remember that bit. Um, but yeah, I had to kind of fudge, fudge the middle bit. Because uh, I thought I must have I must have seen it I must have had the the Nevermind tab book probably, and um, and it didn't quite make sense. So you had to kind of like adapt it a little bit. Maybe we should do that later this mm. evening. I'll bring the guitar in because I've never played yeah. bass with someone who's playing a guitar, and I would like to see it. Yeah, that would be together. awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's you know it's the only thing I can remember. I can remember how to play one chord. 
which is a G. Oh, maybe I can do a D as well. Um, but I can play. I can play that bit. <laughs> it's the only thing that's um, remained with me, like 25 years after my last um, guitar lesson. Yeah. Matt, do you remember when Nirvana played "Territorial Pissings" on? That's a track yeah. off. Never mind yeah. on the Jonathan Ross show. Ah, uh, vaguely. Do you know I have got some live tracks on another CD, and I think because I can remember him, I can remember Jonathan Ross commenting on it afterwards. So I think I do remember that one because he, he comes on at the end and says, uh, "Oh, they wanted the." I was just talking to the guys, and they wanted me to let you know that they were available for. Birthdays, weddings, and bar mitzvahs afterwards, that's after it, some really it. like raucous performance. So they were meant to come on and do a different song. Yeah. And typical grunge style, they did what they wanted. Yeah, they never wanted to play what the. I think they wanted Come wanted. As You Are or something right, like that. They wanted, a, they wanted one of the big hits. And yeah. yeah they, they were probably sick of playing them all the time. So they went in straight into side two, track one, Territorial Pissings. Yeah. And it is wild. Yeah. And exactly as you said, Jonathan Ross was kind of looking around <laughs> and afterwards he said that because they did the classic thing of like putting the guitar down and yeah. the amps would still be plugged in and it would go Wah. yeah because yeah. <laughs> I remember they were they were on top of the pops as well and um, I think if you went on top of the pops you essentially you had to mime I don't think I don't think anyone got to play live and so they did it must have been it must have been Smells Like Teen Spirit and, they, and been, he just yeah. kind of like he just like looked like a marionette just they would you know there was absolutely no life in the performance uh oh maybe he did sing on that and he sang really slowly i think they might have sang slowly but chris novoselic on bass was also yeah. moving his hands comically up and down not, yeah. not doing anything with the strings yeah moving them slightly off the strings <laughs> and now you kind of look at it and think oh you know but at the time it was a it was a big deal. Yeah, and so why you know why have you bothered getting them there? You know, you you don't get an amazing band in like that and say no, you can't actually play. You, we will play the track and you just pretend. What am I here for? Yeah. And no one else protested like them or no. they, theirs was a silent protest, but no one else had the the guts or the yeah. thought to say, well, we're going to make it obvious that we're not Yeah, playing. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Don't want to be part of that. Do you have a favourite track on this album? I do have a favourite track. I think, I, yeah, I think it's probably my favourite Nirvana track as well. Track nine, Lame Jacked. Which I, I was trying to. I've been thinking about it this week. I've sort of gone back and listened through all the albums and. There's, there's a, there's like a type of song that I really like. It's and it's the really short, punchy ones. It turns out I think that that Kurt eventually got a bit sick, a bit sick of them. But um, really short, um, it, you know, quick course, quick cor uh, verse, quick chorus. Uh, but in this one, you've got 
verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and then, and it's already quite lively, and then halfway through, it kind of ramps up, and he starts almost, he starts shouting the lyrics, and it's, ah, oh, yeah, like, that really, really got me, like, he, you know, I keep saying his voice is amazing, and when he's really absolutely belting it out, it, it sounds incredible, and then you get this kind of, you get like a double length chorus in there that maybe you weren't expecting, and and, you know, you think that this tension's about to end and it keeps going. Uh, and then, you know, three and a half minutes later and it and, it, and it's over. And, yeah, br- brilliant track. Uh, I think it's probably my favourite, my favourite Nirvana song. That's an excellent choice. I do <laughs> love that track too. And I like the shouting, yeah. the scream, yeah, which is also a skill. It's an art. Yeah. Frank Black from The Pixies was talking on a documentary about screaming in music yeah and how he learned to scream was to go to a buddhist retreat and he met up with one of the most prominent buddhists who was honing the art of screaming to expel energy and to create energy through that noise and he learned apparently from them right and in pixie's music you can hear frank black doing a guttural scream but it's still okay to listen to yeah. it still feels it's like it's kind of like it's controlled and yeah yeah i i stumbled across some uh some videos on youtube of um you, you get all these like oh so you know people reacting to music videos but then i found one with a, a vocal coach listening to listening to songs and sort of giving a bit of feedback on them, and like he was, he Kurt Cobain was very reckless with with his with his vocals, and she was saying that you know you you can't you can't do that for you know for for a long time you know you're going to do <laughs> he would have done permanent damage I think after um, after a while, but. Yeah. Yeah. According to this Charles R. Cross book, Kurt would not smoke or drink or do drugs on a tour right. before gigs, although he appeared to be completely wasted. Yeah. And I think later on, in probably 93, around there, there were some gigs where he was on heroin. And yeah, yeah. It was still fantastic, like yeah. what he did. But he was very aware of his voice. He was more right. aware of things than you expect. Yeah, because that okay. image they yeah. portrays of reckne- recklessness, carelessness. Yeah. But he was still very right. keen to make sure his voice would be okay. Yeah, I mean, it's a, yeah, it, it's it's another instrument, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and that whole I didn't really want to talk about it too much. The the whole darker side, but yeah. it has to be mentioned, and. I genuinely feel Kurt suffered at a time where there wasn't as much support for it. I don't think yeah, people no, understood think, it. No. And he he complained of stomach ailments all the time. He right. had very bad. I think he'd had a lot of illnesses as as a kid as well, like bronchitis, and he had, God, he had like curvature of the spine and and like he had all kinds of health problems when he was younger. And he was very underweight, and that worried right. him. And he, I think, started to self-medicate. Obviously, right. he had these these demons, or he, he probably had some mental health 
condition yeah. that he couldn't get help for. Yeah. His his parents separated when he was like seven, I think, and then that that hit him really hard. And um, he, I think, he like acted up a lot um, after that, and he ended up sort of getting passed around family members. So I think he had it, like he really lacked stability as well in his you know in his early years, which w- would have been really you know from seven mm. that would have been really really difficult. His formative years yeah. and he was homeless at 17 mm. I think yeah because he had been passed around to so many family members and wasn't working yeah and he slept in hospital waiting rooms right. he slept in hallways of apartment blocks yeah he slept in his car for a bit when he eventually got a car it was a Datsun right <laughs> and he definitely came from rock bottom but he had this talent, this genius within him. Yeah. But he also had an ability to bend the truth slightly. So right. he would tell stories, for example, that he lived under a bridge. Okay. And they've looked at this bridge and thought, you know, there's no way he could have lived <laughs> up under there because the the tidal, the river was tidal, right. and it would have flooded that area. And the only yeah. people who use it were people who went down there to do drugs so he was aware of that and there's many other stories that he's changed slightly Mm. but I can excuse that because it's all part of the act it's all part of that image he's creating it's a great story I think he would never worry about the truth if there was a good story to go along with it but still he had a tough time yeah definitely and there's something appealing about artists who come from that and I think that probably stimulates a lot of creativity as well where you can you know write about things that have happened to you things that mean a lot to you and that song Something in the Way was about that bridge right Um, all the animals I've trapped have all become my pets yeah they're under that bridge and there's rats and all sorts of things but I, I think that's fair play to the guy, you know. You can use that imagery, you can expand upon it. And yeah. When I write about things, I went through a year of writing about every day. Yeah. For a year I wrote a page about the seasons or what I did or whatever. And I didn't bend the truth ever there. Mm. But I think to myself, I could have done because it's yeah. my writing, it's yeah. my work. I could add in a little snippet here, as long as I don't go to everyone and say this is the truth. Yeah, which I think sometimes he did in right. interviews. He would tell people that this is how it was. Another thing I read today actually was that Bob Dylan said that he really liked Polly which is on Nirvana Nevermind it's track oh you're you're right one (laughs) two three four five six (laughs) Polly and he he said yeah this guy's got something because that's the one song he picked out by this stage apparently that song showed that Kurt had advanced in his writing because it's about a person who 
abducted and killed someone and right. was from the news oh, okay. but he wrote the song from the point of view of the the killer right um and bob dylan really liked it. and to yeah. think bob dylan is the master of yeah. writing music and I, that's the page i finished on before oh, i yeah, fell asleep on the sofa so today yeah <laughs> man I'm, I'm gonna need to have a quick break all right Anyways. We bring, we bring Oh, it's such a beautiful evening. It's so this, isn't it? Oh, it's lovely. So nice. Yeah, when the sky stays light, you know, oh. this late. Well, it's nearly 10 o'clock and yeah. it's still fairly light and the birds are still singing. I wonder if any of the pepistrel bats are... Uh, <laughs> oh, right. yeah, That's remember we <laughs> spoke about the pepistrel bats. I think we'll see a couple swooping yeah. down. Keep our eyes peeled. And I remember in our first episode, we were talking about the summer solstice. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And I think we're almost there. We're almost there to the longest day of the year. What an exciting time. I feel rejuvenated after yeah. the lockdown. And Me I feel it's, yeah. it's, it's so lovely. Yeah, yeah, thinking about links, how things link. So Bob Dylan, which I read only today about how he liked Polly. I went to Truck Records today on County Road, which is our independent record store, yeah. which we have. And I'm so grateful for it because when I came to England, all I wanted to do was buy CDs because yeah. I got a job and I could earn them now. Well, I could buy CDs in South Africa, but you had to work a lot more to get a CD. Right. I could do one shift and then go out and buy a CD. <laughs> and where was I going with that? I can't even remember. I completely forgot. So, ah, oh, this does, this happens sometimes, <laughs> Matt. This happens. Well, have you have you been to uh, Big Scary Monsters yet? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's only about 20 yards away I think isn't it so I mean, another so record store and you've helped me remember yeah. thank you so oh, okay, much good, I felt good. I got caught on the spot there like, oh, oh, oh. and I went to Truck Records because yeah. it's record store day today oh right was it and it's a day to recognise independent record yeah. stores and there's special drops of yeah. records that go to stores and you can only get them yeah. on that day yeah. I went down to the shop this morning before Ralph's football game and I took my recorder because I thought if there's a queue I might be able to talk to people in the yeah. queue and ask them what they've listened to or what they're looking at buying mm -hmm. but I bottled it uh, I yeah. this is this is a bit too far this feels like <laughs> work and I wanted to be a journalist yeah, to go yeah, out yeah. there and test those skills <laughs> but maybe one day I'll do it Actually, I thought I should have spoken to the people in the shop before and said, look, can I turn up on Record Store Day and yeah, do this? Because yeah. then I'd feel better about it. And maybe go into the store while people are flicking through all the records yeah. and ask them a few questions. But I didn't do it. And I actually, I went in to look for a release by Bob Dylan. And I've, I've never managed to say what it's called. And I, I couldn't be bothered to look it up and have it written down so I could go in and say this is it. Yeah. But it's a Bob Dylan collaboration with 
a reggae artist it's I and I and I think it's a Dylan song and anyway I knew that this is going to be in the drop and I would go get it so I went in and it turns out that this is going to be in July there's another drop so ah, it's gonna, right. the Bob Dylan one's going to be in another drop but actually at the door the guy said is there anything you're looking for have you ordered anything yeah and I had to go through that whole rigmarole of saying right uh, it's Bob Dylan collaborating I and I reggae and yeah. you okay okay that one's coming oh, yeah. later on and then I said well can I come in and browse anyway he said yeah of course and then I had to wait because they limit the number of people right. in the shop because of COVID yeah. and I went in fairly quickly and I was looking through all the record store day stuff and I saw Turin Breaks which I haven't seen in ages yeah. any of their work they've done something new there was Atomic Kitten. <laughs> there was yeah, some a Madness record. Yeah. There was a, a wonderful Prince record. Yeah. Bert Jansch on a gold disc. Oh, there were many others which I noticed. And I had exhausted all those racks. And I thought, I'll, I'll look at the other stuff in the shop while I'm here. That wasn't in Record Store Day. And I love looking at records in a yeah. record shop because the images are on a bigger scale yeah yeah you can see them up on the shelf and the artwork is so cool none of it really relates to what the album's about it's just no. great photography yeah. or artwork and i thought i'm gonna look for smashing pumpkins uh, couldn't find anything stone temple pilots couldn't find anything oh, hang on i'm talking to matt this evening from <laughs> nirvana so I looked through and I found Nirvana Bleach ah, yeah, yeah. on vinyl oh, for sixteen ninety nine, which yeah. I think is reasonable for yeah. a, a record, which are usually at twenty pounds. And I bought it, and when I went away, I thought, "Wow, that's interesting." I went in for Bob Dylan, and I came out with Nirvana. Yeah. Then I got home and I lay on the sofa and I read more of that book and I read that part about the link yeah. between the two. But you've got the Nirvana Bleach cassette right yeah, here. Yeah, Um So yeah, my first, like I said, my first uh, Nirvana album was just taped off uh, off someone else's. Um, but so I, I think I was looking at the dates, and I think that that uh, is it. In Bloom, I think it was was the first song I heard. That would have been released at the end of 1992 and like a month later uh, they brought out Incesticide uh, and I think that was probably the next one I bought so I bought that on on cassette and I don't have that I died that might still be at my mum and dad's house but I have very clear memories of listening to that on my it wasn't a Walkman it wasn't a Sony but on my uh, my personal stereo while I was doing my paper round so the uh, six days a week, I would get up at six and go and deliver newspapers and and listen to Nirvana on on my headphones. Um, uh, yeah, and then probably uh, I reckon Bleach was probably the third one I picked. Um, I picked up. So yeah, I still have the the cassette for that. It hasn't had a lot of listens recently. <laughs> that... Love Buzz is the first track on yeah. there, which is a cover. 
Yeah, yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, still a great song. Yeah, brilliant. Um, they're good at doing covers because when they do they them, you, you don't expect that it's a cover, and they no. do an amazing David Bowie cover on yes. the MTV Unplugged yeah. album, "Man Who Sold the World." Yeah, that and was. Yeah, I think that's the best cover I've ever heard. Yeah, well, yeah, I. I very nearly did. I very nearly chose um, Unplugged to talk about because it was because it's such such a good album um, and full of covers as well, isn't it? There's there's I don't know five or six covers on there, but f- like for me, I think um, Where Did You Sleep Last Night, the final track on there, it's just. I could I could listen to that over and over and over again. My girl, my girl, don't lie to me. Tell me when did you sleep last night? I think it's just an absolutely amazing performance. I think it was Lead Belly. I don't know if Lead Belly wrote it or if it was like a kind of a a folk standard already, but I think his was the most famous performance of it. Uh, but this is like just the most incredible cover of it, and it was it was an incredible finish to an album. You know, um, again, like Kurt's voice and him just absolutely belting it out at the end, and I, I belting it out is does him a disservice. I think actually saying that, but just you know the the sort of pain and and the passion I think um, in the you know the sort of the final notes of that song it was just such a powerful finish I think for that album Uh, yeah that's I think that's like one of the one of the best covers I've ever heard it is the whole gig you could watch it on YouTube Mm. and it's mesmerising. The whole stage is covered in lilies. Is it lilies? Yeah, lilies and candles, and and it seems like a funeral. Yeah, it does way. actually, doesn't it? Yeah. And 1994, and we all know that soon after this, yeah, Kurt was no longer with us. Yeah, you know, people. Yeah, people sort of drew parallels or like kind of linked them. Link that you know, saying that you know this was his, this was you know he knew, and this was his his goodbye to everyone. I don't really know if that's I don't really know if that's true or not. Um, yeah, I was re- I was flicking through these magazines, like these old Nirvana magazines I brought with me. Um, one of the interesting things that I came across was that Kurt, he you know he was he was he was unhappy with like the way he felt they were being used by the um you know record labels and he would he kind of burned out i think from like he felt that nirvana might have been on its last legs and he wanted to do he wanted to do something differently and so unplugged was was a really really good opportunity he took it you know he took it really seriously and they rehearsed like a lot to get it right and he was and he spent ages picking the right songs so that he could so that he could move away from like what he called their sort of uh, verse chorus verse their quick loud um you know 
popular singles to different to to you know a different style and uh, I think if Nirvana had kept going I think that that this might have been that might have been the sort of stepping stone the bridge between their first albums to to something a little bit a little bit different um but yeah unfortunately we didn't we didn't get to hear anything else after that and Dave Grohl mm. incredible drummer went on to do Foo Fighters yeah. and he's been such a a good yeah role model he has, for, he? Yeah. for rock and roll yeah I such remember, talented people I remember seeing yeah uh, <laughs> going back to Top of the Pops um, they would uh, they would advertise at the start you know they mentioned some of the bands that were coming up and um, they said, "Oh, you know, in, in tonight's show, you know, whatever, you know, what was in the charts." And uh, Dave Grohl's new band, the Foo Fighters. I was just like, "Oh yeah, brilliant!" Yeah. I hadn't heard any of their songs. I kind of knew that he was he was doing something else, but again, like I didn't know where to hear it. And I just, I, I kind of, I, I was kind of done with Top of the Pops really <laughs> at this point. Now that I'd I'd found I'd sort of found my own musical. Um, you know style that I like but I sat through this whole episode where is it, is it going to be next no next no and I was so cross they played it over the end credits 30 seconds <laughs> while while someone talked over it about what was coming up like on the next episode or what was on the next TV show so it was 30 seconds of <laughs> of um, of that being talked over this is a call it probably was something yeah. like that but yeah, I was I was I was glad to have the Foo Fighters after Nirvana to um to kind of carry on. Yeah. I was a bit weary of Foo Fighters at first. I thought, yeah. how can you do that? Mm. You know, Kurt's just died and now you're doing this. Yeah. And I've completely changed my view on that because I think Dave Grohl had it in him he always did yeah yeah and why should he stop and you know what for yeah and he did it and he he's amazing and I yeah, love seeing really him now and it's so interesting because Joe said to me the other day she knows Nirvana but mm. she's a bit younger than me and probably missed that right key yeah point. yeah she said Dave Grohl was in Nirvana right mm. I said yes he was <laughs> look and I picked up this yeah. Nirvana Nevermind record and I showed her the picture. It's like he's just a kid on there, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, I mean, look at him. <laughs> he's so lovely. <laughs> and that's another thing. As I'm holding this record yeah. up, look at that cover of yeah. the baby in the swimming pool and the dollar bill yeah. on a hook <laughs> and you can see what they're saying basically well this is my interpretation is from such a young age you already have that bait of the dollar yeah, yeah. and it's chasing the dollar and you know you can see this baby floating underwater and then you think well can babies breathe underwater yeah. what is that but apparently newborn babies can go under yeah it's like a, a reflex while. action they'll automatically hold yeah. their breath don't they? and it's just such a lovely colour in a swimming pool and I think the story is his parents took the photo. Oh, okay. Nirvana, 
Kurtz, yeah, um, Dave Grohl, and Chris Novoselic were there. The parents of the kid took the photo, right. and he's. I mean, he's done interviews and stuff. He's a grown man. Yeah, now. of course. But isn't that cool? Yeah. Such a when when you're 17 and this comes out and you you see it and you think, wow, I've never <laughs> seen anything like it. That's incredible. But also, I'm so happy we were alive yeah. when this happened and yeah. we were in that grunge thing. And now you see kids in town and stuff going into what's that shop at the Westgate on the corner. It's a oh, uh, clothing shop. Yeah, the American cl- Apparel. It's not. Oh, what is it? It's like a. See, I don't even know. I'm so old. <laughs> um, but they're selling all this grunge stuff. They yeah. actually had black T-shirts with this Nirvana MTV really? unplugged image yeah, on the front. It's so far, Yeah, I've seen those. Yeah, I, I've seen those like a few years ago. Nirvana sort of coming back around. I also remember when I start. I started listening to like digital radio for a while, and I would pick up all these um, small town rock stations in America like Rock 101 in Scranton, Pennsylvania and I, I would listen to those because like I say, you know, I like classic rock and then there'd be a Nirvana song in there I was like, hold on a second <laughs> <laughs> I own oh, this yeah, wait a minute. this is that's, mine <laughs> yeah, that's like nearly that's like 30 years old yeah. now so okay fair enough <laughs> speaking of being alive being we're alive now but being at that stage when we knew Nirvana were happening because kids now are listening to Nirvana who were born after 94 Han has seen Nirvana live twice twice yeah not even that bothered about it (laughs) and I've spoken to her about it a number of times I've said Han tell me more (laughs) <laughs> and she said, well, I don't actually remember. Yeah. But she's got the ticket. Yeah, she sent this along because she knew you'd like to, uh, you'd oh. want to have a look at it. Matt's just passed that over to me and I can't believe I'm holding it. <laughs> I feel quite emotional <laughs> right now because I spoke to Hannah about this and she said she's got the ticket. But she doesn't know where it is mm. and she'll look for it. And recently she found it. And I said, I'm going to... She sent me a photo of it. I said, I'm going to have to see this. And you've brought it in. And I'm actually holding it. And I'm... Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> Rock City. Um, is that 8? I can't, I can't... It's quite dark in here. Yeah. 8 Talbot Street, Nottingham. And it's got a telephone number and the postcode. Riverman presents Tuesday the 3rd of December, 1991. Mm. Yeah. Doors open 8pm, Nirvana plus Captain America, support 9pm, band 10pm, tickets £6.50 in advance. And at the bottom it says eight, age 18 uh, only. And I said, I said, were you 18? Was she, <laughs> she 18? She said, she, no, it, was a, it was a different time. <laughs> it was a different time back then. Oh man, I'm so happy. It's It's a little square... It's ticket. It's it's quite flimsy yeah, paper. It's just blue paper. Blue isn't it? paper. Yeah. Number one two one nine. She's seen them twice. She saw them at Reading Festival yeah. in nineteen ninety two, and I bought the album for that because right. it's such a good concert where he got yeah. wheeled on on That's a wheelchair. Right. Yeah, because there were these rumours in the press about him being too unwell, and I mean he yeah. was unwell a yeah. lot. He was yeah. unwell. Yeah, and they wheeled him in on a wheelchair, and he had these hospital kind of overalls or white coat or something yeah and then they kind of he fell out the <sighs> wheelchair and then he stood up and they they started 
I've got the record here, and I, I mean, I'm cheating now, but it <laughs> says, started with breed. Right. And that's a heavy, heavy yeah, track, that's and they go straight into it. so happy to be holding this it's beautiful I'm so glad she went and there was yeah, a, yeah there was a guy who went to a Nirvana concert that I worked with in Connecticut for I worked there for a couple of months and this was in 1997 the summer of 97 and he in passing said oh i think we had a conversation about pearl jam and nirvana yeah. and he said oh, i've actually seen nirvana yeah. <laughs> and I said, what and he saw them in 1990 or 89 when they were doing right. a tour of america it was yeah they were getting i think the most they got was 600 people in one right. venue some venues are 20 people and he saw them and i kept asking him about it more and more and he said they were just incredible yeah really loud very yeah. loud but can you imagine listening to the album never mind for the first time and how it hits you but then seeing it live yeah. and seeing their actions on stage i was so envious but i was so happy i was i knew someone who had seen nirvana live yeah. <laughs> and i know han yeah she's yeah. seen nirvana live twice she doesn't remember a lot of it but she's seen them twice Oh, what a treat. You know, my favorite song on this album is Something in the Way. And I oh, spoke really? about right. it a few times. And it's because I sing it when I'm on my bike. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those ones you can just get out. And it goes something like this. Underneath the bridge, top has sprung a leak. The animals I've trapped have all become my pets. Something in the way. Mm. Something in the way. don't know if I've got the lyrics right. That was good. That was very good. Because I I remember bits and pieces from it. Yeah, I was yeah, going to yeah. bring the lyrics up for this, but I thought I'll I'll sing how I do it when I'm mm. on my bike. And I was going under the bridge at the railway <laughs> <Right>. station. <laughs> and as I got under the bridge, I started and I said, underneath the bridge. <laughs> and it's hot today. Yeah. And there's a guy in a convertible. He had his roof open. <laughs> I thought, like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna back this one out. And it will put a smile on someone's face. I always get a smile on my face when yeah. I hear someone on their bike singing yeah, loud. Yeah. Do you do that, man? I do. I do sing. Yeah, when I'm cycling. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, and I I go under that bridge twice a day as well. So uh, next time <laughs> I go under there, I'll I'll remember that. Something in the way apparently is about himself. So he's in the way. Oh, okay. You yeah. he he. I think I'm only saying things that I've read mm. but apparently he he lacked confidence and he always right. thought he wasn't worth while and you know, yeah. it's a bit sad so he thought of himself as being in the way stopping him from right 
doing something. Yeah, getting in his own way. It's interesting yeah. that. I heard that. I was very surprised. I don't know when it was, six months ago or so now. Um, I saw the trailer for the new Batman film and there was a cover of that song on there. And I was really... I, I Because they've been quite... Like, you know, Courtney Love and Dave Grohl, Dave Grohl and Chris Nevesilich have been quite strict about what happens with uh, with with Nirvana's music and although it wasn't a Nirvana performance I was still surprised that they had you know that there was a cover at least of it on on a movie sound, soundtrack that must be a first because you're yeah. quite right they've been very protective over yeah. the rights to all that music yeah I don't oh. know who uh, who sang it but yeah that was that was a bit of a surprise and in fact you know what I, around the same time I heard I I can't remember, even remember where, what it was but I think I heard another one of their songs being used somewhere else and and it was quite surprising yeah considering how protective they've been over it I think yeah. I'd get quite grumpy if I yeah. heard it but if it's a good cover then it, fair yeah. play because it's you're saying we think this song is amazing yeah. we're going to sing it and I've just sung it there, so there's my cover. Matt, this has been amazing. I love yeah. I love doing this stuff with you, and I'm so glad <laughs> we got to meet a week before. Yeah. We haven't seen each other for a while, and no. I thought it would be nice to have a chance to catch up. And actually, the conversation we had last week is very similar. Yeah. Not yeah. We, We've discussed different things, because yeah. we could go on forever, but that whole passion is there, and that whole enjoyment like we're hanging out and I've just I'm so grateful that we can do this kind of stuff yeah where we we can get together and reminisce and yeah and <laughs> just oh it's lovely it's such a privilege talking about Nirvana yeah every single album because there's so many stories behind each album yeah you know it, I, I couldn't I, I I would struggle to pick, you know, to pick a favourite. I, I, the reason I chose Nevermind was because it was because it was the first one that I heard, and that was kind of shaped you know, what I listened to. But it's all just, it's just brilliant. Incredible choice. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> and treasures and the books that we read What's in your shed? What's in your shed?